Hi, welcome to the 13th Warehouse, the Friday the 13th TV series edition. I'm Vicki. And I'm Ken. And this is Doug with the episode credits for Friday the 13th, the series, season one, episode five, Halloween, created by Frank Mancuso Jr. and Larry B. Williams, written by William Taub and directed by Timothy Bond. Original air date, October 26th, 1987. And we're back with season one, episode five, Halloween, and the cursed antique is the amulet of Zohar that can transfer a spirit into a deceased body. It's Halloween at the antique store, and to try to change the perception that many people in the neighborhood have of the store, they decide to throw a Halloween party. Pretty immediately, Ryan tells Mickey that he made a sign that the vault is off limits. So we already know that someone's going to go down there. I thought of this when we were doing, I think it was a cup of time, because at one point they had already found the girl and the girl was at the antique store with them. And then all three of them went to chase Lady Di around the park. So what did they do? They left the girl in the antique store with all the dangerous artifacts? By yourself? Right, yeah, yeah. They need to find a better way to secure that. And yes. We did know that Ryan's sign wasn't going to stop anybody from going down there. That makes you want to go down there more. Exactly. So the party's going well and Jack is doing magic tricks. Okay, Jack was doing magic tricks. But at one point, he asked one girl if the other one was her bosom companion. And then he pulls a plum or something out of her cleavage. Yes. Mm-hmm. What? <laughs> It was the time. I know. (laughs) I was like, no, he did. Yes, he did. He did it twice. Oh, my God. (laughs) And like we said last week, I shouldn't be so judgmental because I'm watching a show from 1987. And I think last week I said 2021 eyes. And last week when we were recording, it was 2021. It is now 2022. But I have to get over that. Yeah, it was the time. I know. It was the time. I know. It's just, oh my God. And it bothered me more that it was Jack that did it, you know? Oh, yeah. You kind of expect more from him, or I don't know. You would think, but... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I know. So, of course, two knuckleheads go down to the basement and believe that the sign was not meant for them. So they find the fuse box and shut off the lights, and then they find the crystal ball or whatever it is. Ryan finds them and sees that there's something wrong with the ball and reports it to Jack. And then all hell breaks loose in the store and they have to evacuate everyone. So, so much for uh, changing the perception of the neighborhood. Jack explains that the guys must have... It was like a fishing metaphor. They threw out a psychic line and they hooked a spirit. Pretty much. Oh, okay. Those friends of yours who played around with my crystal ball threw out a psychic line and hooked something. What do you mean? There are people who think that Halloween is a kid's game. It isn't. It's the one night of the year when the spirits of the dead can roam the earth with freedom. But this part, I don't understand. I'm wondering, did somebody actually have to go down there and activate that ball? Or did Uncle Lewis have this plan? Because he seemed to have a whole plan when he showed up. Right. Because Jack did say something about Halloween is the only night that Spirits can walk the earth. So I'm wondering if that ball would have activated anyway. Do you know what I mean? Oh, I see what you're saying. Um, I don't know. Because when he shows up, he seems to have a whole plan. It didn't seem like, oh, I'm here. What should I do now? You know? Yeah. So I don't know. That wasn't clear to me. So Jack does a spell, like an exorcism almost, to get rid of the spirit, and they think it's over. 
And then Jack hears somebody knocking on the door, and he goes out to find a little girl sitting on a bench outside the store. And this was ridiculous. She says she was trick-or-treating and got lost. But then he asks her where she lives, and she says, right down there. So I think someone telling me they got lost, but then says they live very close and knows how to get there, might set off an alarm. How is she lost if she knows where she lives, and it's right Right. there? Yeah, and we've been around this twice, and I'm going, well, Duh, if we did, then why are you still going with her? Right, right. I don't know. The whole, I'm lost. Oh, but where do you live? Okay, so number one, somebody tells you you're lost. Where do you live? She's supposed to be lost. Well, right down there. And it's in walking distance. So how are you lost? And right, how do you, yeah. Right, and how do you believe that story? Mm-hmm. So she turns out not to be a little girl and leads Jack to an alley and locks him in, leaving Mickey and Ryan alone in the store. He said you, so I don't know if he recognized her, because then he said Lewis. But first he said you. I wasn't sure that he, if he recognized her as someone. I want to say he recognized her as someone. That's what I thought, too, but they never actually said. They did say later on she was a demon, but that was confusing to me. Back in the store, a ghost like Uncle Lewis arrives, and you were right, we were going to see him again. So he shows them to a hidden room where his dead wife is in the bed. I thought curses were forever. No, it only seems like forever. I can do it, but I'm going to need your help. I can only stay in this world till dawn. I have that much time to set things right, to undo the curse. Then I must return to my punishment. I only ask one thing. I have to set right my greatest sin, one that tears at my soul like no other, the murder of my wife. I had hoped that I'd keep this to myself. My final secret sin. And he cons them into helping him by convincing them that he can undo the curse and set things right. But he needs the ambulance of Zoar to free his wife's soul. And once that's done, he promises to help them reverse the curse on the antiques. I killed her. No, not directly, not with my hands, but, but with my ambition, my greed for life. I need the amulet from the vault. The amulet of Zoar. Her soul was taken. The amulet will free it so she can find peace of mind. Just let me free Grace, and I'll end the curse. So in another Pete and Micah move, they decide to help him. And Ryan says Jack would say yes. Jack would not say yes. He wouldn't say yes. Like a lot of stuff that they did, he would have never went for that. Once he would have seen what was going on, and then what happened to the body once they got locked in? Did it disappear? I think it did, because Jack later on said his wife wasn't there. Whatever that was, it wasn't his wife. I don't think we saw the body again. They never showed us. I'm assuming it disappeared. Yeah, I, I just... Yeah, Jack would not say yes. If they know anything at all, which they don't seem to know much of anything, it should be that Jack wouldn't say yes. Right, but still they know that whatever is in the vault is in the vault for a reason. Right. So if it's in the vault, why are you taking it out? Even to somebody that's a spirit, why would you still take it out? Right, and this sounds like the same things we've said about warehouse. It's in the warehouse for a reason. Why would you take it out? Take it out. It doesn't make any sense to me. And then it's like... Do you really even truly know that it's really Uncle Lewis? Yeah, they don't because they don't even recognize him because they've never seen him. Well, they said they seen him by pictures. Oh, that's right. They did see a picture of him, right? They right. did see pictures, but still, you don't know. Right. Because um, even Warehouse, what was the one that changed the person? You saw somebody else. Oh, the or... thimble. Harriet Tubman's thimble? Yeah. That's right. You don't know. That's right. Mm-hmm. Of course, the amulet makes him corporeal, and he locks them in the room. 
So now he has to find a body that was not killed violently and was also killed recently to be able to transfer himself into a new body for good. Meanwhile, Jack cons two not-so-bright guys into getting him out of the alley (laughs) (laughs) by calling them out and hoping they'd be dumb enough to get him out so they can beat him up. And they were just that dumb. So he gets away, and Ryan and Mickey use the fireplace to escape the room. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Space, the final frontier, or is it? Discover the podcast of a couple of moms who love Star Trek and happen to have kids on the autism spectrum. Join Vicki and Elizabeth as we explore strange new worlds, talking about the new Star Trek Discovery series, autism, and whatever else comes to mind. We're Moms Going Boldly, and you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Player FM. Hey, Dud Gramley here from Yeah, That Can't Be Good. Please join Kim, Vicky, Skip, and myself over at Yeah, That Can't Be Good for an episode-by-episode podcast of all things Eureka. You can listen at EurekaRewatch.com on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. They sort of figure out what Lewis is up to, and they figure out they have to get to a mortuary. They leave a note for Jack. They find Uncle Lewis. Mickey tries to distract Greta while Ryan tries to get the amulet. But Greta does something. She casts a spell on Mickey and puts her in a coffin on the cremation conveyor belt. And then when Ryan fails with Uncle Lewis, Greta casts the same spell on him and adds his coffin to the conveyor belt. So this is always the thing. Like in the poison pen, the guy who captured Jack puts him on that guillotine thing. And instead of just chopping his head off, he puts a candle under the rope. So the candle has to burn through the rope mm-hmm. instead of just killing him. So Greta is a demon, we find out. So why couldn't she just kill them by using her powers instead of put them on a cremation conveyor belt? Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's the ticket every time. And they set it up so they're going to die in a few minutes. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Of course, Jack finds him, and he's able to break the spell by slapping Mickey, which was hilarious. Who knew you could break a spell by slapping somebody? And Ryan doesn't need to be slapped for some reason. (laughs) And Uncle Lewis's spell was the longest spell ever. He just kept talking and talking and talking. I mean, this thing went on forever. Yeah. (laughs) She got to do what she had to do, and he was still going on. Right. Jack or somebody says they can't stop the amulet, but they can slow down the process until it's dawn, which would be too late for Lewis. He has to get a body before dawn, otherwise he's gone, and he has to wait till next Halloween, I guess, to come back. So Jack does battle with Lewis with a spell, while Ryan and Mickey distract Greta, and Greta dies by falling on something. So Jack seems to be losing his battle of the spells, but then they tell him that it's dawn they held him off long enough that it was dawn and when they open the shade uncle lewis disappears now uncle lewis is not a vampire so you know if it's dawn it's dawn they don't have to know it's dawn you know what i mean right if his body goes back to hell at dawn he doesn't have to know it's dawn because what are they saying if they kept the shade down he would still be alive until they pulled the shade up Right, because he would know. Automatically, you would feel that it's dawn. Right. They were treating it like he was a vampire and the sunlight evaporated him. If it's dawn, it's dawn. The spell's over at dawn. You don't have to see that it's dawn. 
<laughs> so the Jack Uncle Lewis and his wife Grace story kind of reminded me of Artie and McPherson, who were originally partners and then enemies. And the fact right. that Artie and McPherson were in love with the same woman, Carol, but she chose McPherson. Remember all that? Right, yeah. And it seems as though Jack, Uncle Lewis's partner, was in love with Grace, Uncle Lewis's wife. It seems like the whole same scenario. Yeah. So, what did you think of this one? I mean, it was okay. Yeah, it was okay. That's the only other way I could say it was okay. It wasn't, I can't say predictable, predictable, because at one point, I didn't understand what he was up to to a certain degree. Yeah. At one point, I thought he was just going to release the stuff that was in the vault or something like that to overtake the world, whatever. It was okay. That's it. Yeah. You know, if he did ever get a body, he might have just released all the stuff into the world. Right. We don't know what he was going to do with a body. We knew that he wasn't a nice guy, so it wasn't going to be a good thing. But I kind of like this. I think I've seen enough episodes that I'm used to the way it hasn't aged well. Mm-hmm. And I could get past a lot of the plot holes and the hokiness, which doesn't mean I'm not going to point them out when they show up. I mean, I don't know about you, but as much as we make fun of this, I kind of am really enjoying watching it again. Like I said, I've seen a couple, then I would never watch it again. I can notice the hokiness of it and the corniness and the tone of the acting in it, and I'm going, okay. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I think I've seen enough episodes now that I'm kind of getting used to it a little bit, so it's not as glaring for me anymore, although I'm going to point it out when it comes, but it's not bothering me anymore, I think. I mean, obviously some of it is, but I am enjoying watching it again because I like the stories. Yeah. You know? I, I gotta see how it goes for a little bit. Yeah. Just like, oh, good lord. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm also beginning to realize that the writers always make it so the team is never doing the actual killing. Because if you remember a few episodes back, and I think it was the Cupid one, I said that Ryan didn't actually do anything to save Mickey. Mm-hmm. Because the guy burned his own face and the guy fell off the rafters. I think that's purposeful now, I'm starting to realize. I think the writers are trying hard not to make them killers. Oh, okay, I see what you're saying. You know what I mean? Oh, okay. I feel like they set it up so, like, the demon killed herself. She fell on something. Gotcha. You know? Okay, all right, makes sense. All right. That's what I'm beginning to realize. And then just one more note. When we began this series, we said that it would probably not come out regularly. But up to now, it actually has come out weekly because we record so far ahead that as soon as I'm finished editing, I schedule it. So up until now, it has been coming out weekly. So as long as we can stay ahead, because right now it's only January 4th, this is probably not going to come out until late (laughs) March. As long as we stay ahead, we'll do our best to keep on schedule. But if we skip a few weeks down the line, just because we don't know what our schedules are going to be, just know we'll be back. I know what it's like to listen to a podcast only to have it abandoned. And we just want to remind everyone this was never going to be a weekly series, even though it has been weekly up until now. And we'll do our best to make it weekly. But if we get behind, if our schedule has changed, I just want to make sure people don't think we've abandoned the podcast if a couple weeks go by when there's no episode. Just know that we'll be back at some point. So we will see you next time for next two episodes Okay, we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye. This is Doug reminding you to follow us on Facebook at facebook.com backslash 13th Warehouse, on Twitter at Eureka Warehouse, and on Instagram at Eureka underscore Warehouse. 
You can listen to The 13th Warehouse on our website, the13thwarehouse.com, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Theme music for The 13th Warehouse, Friday the 13th, the series edition, Suspense Night, provided by Anton Kornienko, Pixabay user 147-98912, free for personal or commercial use. See you next time at The Warehouse.